Hi, I'm Barbara. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to The Young Tongues. This is a podcast all about our marvelous and magnificent tongues. Ooh, did I get you going? Well, we had tongue cancer. Ooh, did I just kill the man? Well, don't worry. This is not what you think. Get ready to hear all the ins and outs of our marvelous tongues. For a long time, we couldn't talk. And we have a lot to say now. Hello Young Tongues, it's Barbara here. Just a quick content warning, in this episode we reference sexual violence. So if this isn't for you, please skip this episode and we will be back with a brand new one in a couple of weeks time. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Young Tongues. My name is Barbara Fountain and I'm the founder of The Young Tongues, a peer-to-peer support group for young patients aged 18 to 64 going through tongue cancer. And with me, I have my marvellous co-host, Jamie. Welcome back. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie, and I have half a tongue, and Barbara has half a tongue, and together we make one whole tongue. (laughs) Oh, so lovely to have you back. We just have to tell our listeners why we've been absent for a little while. Nothing to do with you guys listening. Um, also nothing to do with us because we have like recorded at least it feels like three episodes. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm getting the hang of it. Technology reminds us how old we are. Yeah, and, uh, we had we had some major tech problems. I don't think it's it was us. I think it was the tech. So we've gone a bit more basic. We have started recording on Zoom. So we're hoping quality-wise everything will be fine, and if not, we'll find another solution. But we wanted to bring content to you, so we just thought we'll go with this for now, figure it out later. So I hope you're all well. So, Jamie, let me ask, what's new with you at the moment? Oh, new with me at the moment? um, It's now summertime here. The sun is out. I'm in California, so now we have, like, sunny days every day so i'm in the pool every day but um the beautiful side effects of radiation remind me like even on days like i feel good and i look good i am not a hundred percent and it just comes back and radiation just you know really reminds you that hey you're not exactly how you were before and your energy is gonna not be where it needs to be so at the moment my mouth is not opening (laughs) So I'm talking like ventriloquist style, like a lot of the time, like some people ask me like, oh, you don't move your jaw when you talk. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, mm. just can't uh, have mobility. And sometimes this happens. Uh, it happened one other time where I couldn't open it even after doing my physical therapy. So it's a little concerning, but uh, we're still trying to figure it out. So it is liquid diet for now. Oh, Jamie, I'm so sorry. You know my frustrations. I'm like, oh my god, I can't open my mouth. Like I text you, I'm like, I can't open my mouth. But I have to record it. It's just, it. You know, that's why we talk about. You know, we have the young tongues and we talk about stuff because this stuff comes up and it's like, well, wait a minute, we. This is something new for me, and so I can go to the group and I can ask, hey, has this happened to anybody else? So that's been a great resource. Mm. Yeah. And even just comforting too to be like, oh, I totally get it, you know. But what about you, Barbara? What's going on with you? I think I've been really good and now I'm really tired. <laughs> so I had like a 
couple of crazy weeks where I just had all the energy in the world and I got loads of shit done and I was really happy. And I think then towards the tail end, it was sort of adrenaline getting me through it. And I think I've used up all my adrenaline. So now I'm paying the price, so to speak. And it's so annoying because I know anyone listening to this will go, but Barbara, you need to pace yourself. And I was like, I know, but it feels so good when you have energy and you just forget and you go, oh, this feels like normal. And you go like, wait, maybe I'm fixed now. And then, yeah, you're not. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just really, really tired. But to keep this upbeat, I have some really, 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 really exciting to talk. Oh. I can't tell you yet because it's not being launched until next week. <laughs> oh, you tease. I know, I know. But all I can say, it's really exciting. It's really good news, um, not just for the young tongues, but for the entire community. This is going to be like a proper game changes. Oh, the one thing I can share with you that has happened, we have finally submitted our um, paperwork to the charity commission in order to become a proper registered charity. Um, it will take a few months until we know if we've been accepted or if we need to do some edits and stuff like that. But I'm overall really um, confident that we'll get through that process. Obviously, it has taken a bit longer than what I thought it was going to, but we're, we're here now and that's all that matters. So um, oh, that's so exciting. Like, it's, ha it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Fully, it's happening. It's exciting, but it's also quite scary because once you become like a legal entity, you know, you become liable. Yeah. <laughs> so you suddenly realize all the things you don't have in place in terms of how we operate with young tongues. So we obviously have our private groups and I've set some rules and there's some community rules that we ask people to adhere to. Like, you're very welcome to share your own experience, but please don't give medical advice is one of them. Another one is that we don't play top trumps. So what we mean by that is one experience isn't worse than the other. We all treat us, each other as equals and, and loads of other things. But when you become like a legal entity, it's like you have to have proper policies in place, like safeguarding policies, like data protection. The list goes on and you suddenly go like, oh, yeah, I really need to sit down and think about how we're really going to do this and then put it on a piece of paper and then follow it. So I think we're just like in the transition period of professionalizing what we have been doing for the last two years without moving away too far from the grassroots, because I think... It's the whole fact that we're for the community, by the community. I think that's what makes us relevant in comparison to other groups which may be put on by professional bodies who may have never experienced tongue cancer. Absolutely. There's a nice, organic, cozy feeling about young tongues, about how we can just, I, we chat so freely without the red tape. But of course, in order to grow and to get more resources, we do have to take this route and you know i think it's really cool that we're sharing like this is the steps on how to do it because we're learning at the same time and i think it's wonderful that we have the community to do that and help a lot of a lot more people yes so. absolutely so expect some ads going out for volunteer positions but i think it's fantastic like mm -hmm. it's a it's amazing how we grew from a little chat chat group to this so yeah yeah i mean it was a, it's well a done with paperwork yeah yeah, yeah. It, was a zoom. it all happened that's right it was a zoom meeting i'll never forget it was well like 
eight or maybe 10 of us. And I was like, this is so amazing. And the next day I woke up and I went to Nick, young tongues. And he went, what? <laughs> That's how we're called. And he's just like, okay, okay, get breakfast, calm down. I'm like, I can't, I didn't expect it. So yeah, I need to do everything at once. Yeah, so yeah, that's what's, I think uh, roughly that's what's been going on with me. In our last episode, just to recap, because it's been a while, we talked about our experience of the surgery and we sort of ended around the time point of we, we woke up in recovery and we were moved into intensive care or the high dependency unit. There's like the two main things. The ICU is the intensive care unit. The difference is in intensive care, you've got one-on-one care with one nurse dedicated for your care, where in the high dependency unit, there's one nurse for two patients. Um, so just as a, for your information, if you ever wondered what the difference was. Um, yeah, I don't even know if in America we have like a unit like that. I know we have ICU and then everything else. I don't know if we have a high dependent. Maybe we do. I don't know. Or it's called something else. Tweet us. <laughs> if you know, tweet us. Let us know. Um, yeah. And, and so let, well, let's continue there on. As in, we've woken up, we're in the recovery room, we're taken to ICU. Pandemic versus non-pandemic. Mm-hmm. What happened to you, Jamie? What do you remember? Um, I woke up and I was in a very small room. I know it was, they kept mentioning it's an airtight room because of COVID. Um, I woke up, there was windows all around the room. It was very small. And I wake up and I see a nurse sitting right there. And she's, oh, like, and it was, God, I can't, I don't know her name, but I know, I see her face. And like, because of the windows and all the light shining in it, was like, she was glowing. <laughs> I woke up, I woke up, I'm like, all right, I'm not dead. And she was like, hi, your husband, uh, your husband brought your phone. It was like the first thing I was like, oh, so she snuck him in because remember um when i checked in they didn't know what was going on in this whole like lockdown so they said they weren't gonna have i couldn't have any of my valuables my phone all i could go in was like my id and like the clothes i was wearing is what i i had um and she was like oh i was able to get your husband in and here's your phone and um a chart and an ipad because i had my ipad i was like Okay. And I remember I, I touched my neck because they told me it was like, they didn't know if they would have to do the, um, strike. Right. Thank you. I always, I always feel like I, I say the wrong thing. Um, the trach. So I was like, all right. And then I kind of just like faded. And then at some point they did move me, move me into another room, which I think was ICU. Um, but I stayed there. I did not move to another room because I think because um, of COVID, they weren't moving everybody around. So it was like uh, I had a bunch of different nurses, though. I never had like that one. But I do remember that one nurse that was in there when I woke up in that airtight room who gave me my phone. And we all know how we feel about our phones. It's like, <laughs> oh, and thank you. I had a like. And it was um I was like, okay, I just, I woke up and then I just went back out. I didn't even realize until later everything that was attached to me. And like, I didn't know I had like the drainage, like that tube thing and the tube in my nose. And I also had oxygen going in. I didn't realize any of that until I think after I got to ICU. 
after you got to your ward after oh, yeah you stayed there I woke no I woke up in that room I think I was in that room for a little bit and then they moved me to the ICU because I was like almost feel like that's like one of the rooms I was in before I went to surgery too and they brought you back it was very very tiny with windows all around to like it wasn't like to the outside that the windows were like it was like in the middle of a room with the yeah. windows looking like you were a little so that sounds like that would have been ICU and then you were moved to a ward like a normal room yeah I don't know yeah. what you call it in, in America here in the UK we call it a ward which has yeah, several rooms, and then you don't have that one-on-one care. They just sort of. I had my. With, with... Yeah, I had my own room, like there, and then when I got to the ward, yeah, I'm not. I can't even tell you where where I was at. I do remember everybody was coughing, and I was. It was all like they moved me out. Of, they kept saying this airtight room. Then they moved me to another room, and it was just a lot of like. It, it was, uh, you know, you hear all these side conversations and I didn't know what was about me and what was about others. And like the nurses were finding out everything that was going on at the same time that I was. It made them kind of like, you know, the gossip of like, oh, well, you know, we're going to have, they're moving people up here because there's not enough room and da, 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 as you go in and out of consciousness. But that's, that's mad. Yeah, I was just, ha- she got my husband in to get the phone. So he must have been able to come in to get mm. the phone. Yeah, or at least bring it to the door or something like that. Yeah, like he, he didn't like see you. I don't think so. Mm-mm. I don't. I don't think he did. I think it was all through Facetime. And and that's so the thing. Heavy. It was like, did did I say? I I remember being like, were you, were you able to sit in there with me, or was I? Am I like hallucinating with the the Facetime? Like it was kind of. I remember being like also really nervous that I was going to get sick in there too. Like that, no one knew about like everything about COVID. You just knew you'd get it and be, everyone was dying. So it was, it was a weird trying to figure out what I was going to do and not being able to like talk to anybody. So trippy. I just, I just can't imagine it because it was just so stressful without the whole existential crisis of covid and am i gonna get more sick and maybe potentially die of this thing that nobody knows what it's about i mean now we look back and we go like oh okay but people were dying like a lot and we didn't know what it was and Um, this was like this was in march the start of it all and you know we were all still watching the news and listening to everything that was being pushed out to us and like um one of our relatives was like, he's a chief fireman down in one of the cities. And he knew that this was going to happen before. And he called me and he was like, they're going to lock down and you need to make sure you get the surgery. And I was like, <laughs> what? No, it's like out of a movie, right? Like we, none of us could have ever imagined like something like, like I never would have thought in my lifetime this could, they were going to lock down everything. Like I thought that was crazy. So to actually like go through cancer which is a life-changing diagnosis on top of this worldwide life-changing pandemic like in a way it was kind of like I didn't have to focus on that just my cancer but in another way it was like that's it I feel like it affected my husband more than me because he was terrified that he was going to bring something home yeah so for you in the terms of you had yours before the pandemic but um you were in ICU and then was it the same like you started out there and then went to another room? 
Yeah, so I was in the, um, I don't know, what I think it's called the recovery ward. So it's where you wake up, basically, after yeah. surgery. Um, that was quite bright. And I remember there being the two nurses and then talking to them. So I think we covered that last time. That mm-hmm. I basically was like, oh, I can speak. I am not going to shut up. Gave them my entire life story. And then I was moved to, I was moved to the high dependency unit. So not ICU, but high dependency unit. And it's really weird because, yeah, I was really high on drugs. And I, it's all a bit, it's all a bit wishy-washy. My vision was definitely affected, but I sort of had somewhat of a, I could sort of somewhat say, tell you what was going on. It's quite a dark room. There's some lights further away where I could see like shadows walking up and down. So there must have been some sort of corridor. And um, there was just this really wonderful nurse. Um, yeah, it was really maternal. It was so sweet. Like, I just remember because I was a little bit in a mess when I came out in terms of there was a, a lot of bodily fluids all over like my hair and my face and a lot of blood and gunk and stuff. So she she opened my braids and brushed my hair and then rebraided my hair, and I just remember, like obviously I can't remember remember, but I just remember feeling so safe and so wholesome, and I just because this is the thing, like you wake up and you're sort of with it, but you're you're at your most vulnerable because you can't do anything for yourself other than breathe, really. And even the breathing is difficult because everything's swollen and, but you really can't do anything. And I was, I was really glad that I, at the time I did, um, in the run up to the surgery, I did a lot of meditation, which is something I'd never done before. Not, you know, it wouldn't have been the type of thing I would have started doing without the cancer. That makes sense. But yeah. I'm so glad I did because I think it gave me this whole different level of calmness. And I just, I remember just really consciously going, because I'm a control freak, right? I'm an event organizer. I, I feel very uncomfortable when things aren't within my control. But I just remember really consciously decided, right, I've done everything I can do to prepare myself for this surgery. And now I'm just going to give myself over and put all my trust into this team of people, most of whom I've never met other than my sort of lead surgeon and the plastics and a couple of others. But yeah, I just sort of thought that all I can do now is just give myself to them and just, and and it really helped because I'm not a very patient person. So I think it helped. It took a bit of the anxiety away and I just felt really safe because this lady really, um, yeah, really, I really felt she looked after me. And I was in there for at least 24 hours. And so my husband, so as we've spoken about husband early, husbands earlier, so my husband was able to come with me into the hospital, actually all the way to the door of the operating theatre where I sort of turned around, gave him a kiss and went, see? <laughs> like I can't get emotional. Bye bye, go away. <laughs> and uh popped into into the room and just, you know, nerves sort of take over. Um but what was more difficult for him, he then went home and we were told the operation was about eight hours, but it ended up being 
12 hours and he, by 13, 14, he still hadn't heard anything. And they were like really firm of saying, we will contact you. But by that point, he was just really worried that something had gone really wrong. So he started ringing the hospital and eventually they got the message through and they're like, oh, no, no, she's fine. And Sorry about that. Just forgot to let you know. Yeah, no. I, wow, they're busy, aren't they? And oh, but yeah. they, um, yeah, they they let me. And he's like, "Well, what, how is she?" And they and they were like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, she's been chatting away. She's fine." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, for God's sake! That sounds like her. Yeah, that sounds like Barbara. And there's a bit of a rolling joke, like with my mates who say, "Not even Tom Cantor could shut her up." So, <laughs> um, yeah, and and he and I do believe. I do believe, but I'm now doubting myself, but I do believe Nick came to see me in ICU. Not that I can remember anything of that, but I'm pretty sure, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure he told me about it because I think he was a bit taken aback by um, how I looked. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was a bit like, oh my God. He he said um, the smile was me, but the rest just looked quite scary. Yeah, it's a bit shocking, I can imagine, everything. Because, like, we didn't figure it out until we were like, oh, oh, well, definitely know something's going on. But, like, everything else was kind of like, yeah, there is a lot happening. Yeah, and and actually, you can't really move because you've got so many tubes and so many catheters and drains and stuff. Um, And, yeah, it took me a couple of days until I was moved into my other room to actually have a look around and go, Ooh, that's a, what's in that bag? Ooh, I don't want to know. <laughs> exactly. And, and yeah, and, and there was that really strange, massive tube that sort of got, they, they sort of stuck it round my ear. It was huge. I have no, I've got, I've got, mm. of it and I have no idea what that tube was for, but it was absolutely mahusive. Um, so yeah. And was it from your neck, at, draining out of your neck? No, no, because the drain out of my neck actually drained into a, fluid oh. bag so I, I can't I, yeah I, I'm gonna have to look at the photo again to figure out where the tube went so but it sort of, sort of stuck to the side of my face and it's weird, it's weird how many things they stick to you with cell well it's obviously not cell well no it's a kind of sellotape but they go like, oh that's in the yeah. way let's just stick that on you it's just like a human pinboard of like yeah all right yeah it's totally um and it's just like you're looking down, I was like, oh, yeah, you kind of feel like you can't move because you have all these machines making noises. And you look down at your arm and you're like, oh, well, that's connected to that. Like, can you even like lift my hand up or, you know, and uh, did you have the things on your legs to help with circulation? How it like the compression, like they oh, put the socks, these, well, not the socks. These were like a... um almost like a boot thing they put on me during the night to keep the blood flow because I guess I couldn't move and it would feel almost like a how blood pressure cups get really they it it felt kind of nice like in my drugged up stupor it kind of felt like my dog was like laying at my feet I felt like at times I was like oh that's comfort I felt like it was a dog under there but it was like they go and then so I think to keep the blood flow they're like these little like um little booty like they look like ski boots i guess i i have yeah. to admit i can't remember um yeah I, you must I have had something that. like that to keep yeah. the blood flower because yeah. I, I, I had comp- wasn't moving yeah i had compression socks and i do remember them um they obviously clean you um uh, which are 
get to a bit later, which is always a bit, uh, was a bit of <laughs> surprise. You're like, oh, you know, yeah, um, just a bit. Um, yeah, no, I, no, I, I would, I think I would remember that. I don't think I had anything other than compression socks, which were, which are an absolute nightmare to get on. Oh, like a three person job. I've got quite, I used to play football and my family, we just always would have big legs and I have these massive. <laughs> And they were like, oh, yeah, these are not going to fit. And I was like, I just, no. No, So, yeah, I had about three different types of compression socks until they found some proper old granny ones, which were like, uh, people do. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, no, and um, high dependency ward. Um, yeah, I think I think one of the main memories that I take with me is just how, how, beautifully kind and maternal the the nurses were that looked after me and it's really unfortunate because I felt like I had a really close bond but I could not tell you what they looked like like I have no idea and I'm pretty certain it's not just one there's probably two because I was in there for 24 so that would be two 12-hour shifts and um yeah, and, and I think this feeling of feeling totally vulnerable, like naked doesn't even do it justice. It's like you feel so naked. I mean, you're not naked, but you just feel so raw and so, yeah, that, that you can't protect yourself, you know, that's the sort yeah. of. You are, yeah, it's like that, you know, for you always being in control, knowing what's going to have happen. You had all the plans in place. You were ready for the, you came, you woke up and you came out of this like, okay, who is everybody? Like, where am I at? Yeah. What's going on? Like, it's so, it's, it, it is very, yeah. I, I mean, you feel vulnerable. You can't talk. Well, I couldn't talk, but like, and then I had nobody there with me to like help me out or any any familiarity. Like it was, um, yeah, you definitely feel very exposed, but you know, these people are there to take care of you. But it, it was, yeah, it's very strange to I, describe. I think the job of an intensive care, of an intensive care nurse or a high dependency unit nurse is a very unique set of skills and, uh, massively undervalued and and just like I mean all nurses are great but I think the stuff that they have to deal with um and how incredibly skilled they have to be to keep you calm as well yeah Um, because they definitely put out that person that we saw when we first woke up they put out this like I I knew I was okay yeah you're you're safe you're you're okay you made it through yeah like I'm here to support you yeah and very like a very maternal like Mm. we're almost like yeah because we're it was almost like we're a baby like we have to we're depending on this person I do think something happens like when you are in in such a state I guess you do sort of regress a bit to a childlike it's like a childlike helplessness if that makes sense yeah so you're still an adult but yeah, um, so one of the things I found really interesting <clears throat> uh, during 
uh, that night. So I, I obviously woke up and I was really happy and really positive and all fine. And I was fine. You know, I'm absolutely fine. Happy to be alive. And then, um, in the middle of the night, I was just crying, but like not like ugly crying, but there was just uh, tears just flowing down from my face. And um, I remember the nurse sort of picking up on that and just go asking me really quietly, are you okay? And um, and I, I really wasn't. And it was weird because it had nothing to do with the cancer. So um, where I'm going with this, this is quite hard to share, um, is that in this deeply vulnerable state, I had memories resurface from a traumatic experience that I had gone through 10 something, no, no, not 10, but eight years before, but that I had personally never dealt with and never processed um and I I had always I had um purposefully not dealt with it because I didn't want to be a victim and I think any woman listening can sort of understand probably read between the lines of where I'm going with this um but I always thought that if I ignore that it ever happened it means that I'm not a victim and, and I, he doesn't win. So, um, yeah, I was, I was raped, um, in 2012 whilst working, um, at the, at the, working the best job of my life, which was, uh, the London 2012 Olympics, uh, and it just ended horribly. Um, but yeah, that's by the side, but it was just in that moment like my 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 eyes were just streaming and she asked me are you okay and I said no and I sort of shared that with her and she was um not the first because I had shared that with someone with a few other people before but there was there was nothing you can do about it and also I need to stress this is before me too so a lot of things have changed since then um and I sort of shared it with her and she she was really great because she sort of said right for now concentrate on the cancer because your plate's pretty full but when you're ready circle back to this and work and heal and work to heal because otherwise this is going to eat you alive and I'm so grateful for her that she shared that with me um because yeah wow. four years later now I am finally dealing with it and it's not easy and I think me sharing this on this podcast is probably a step which is uh, quite big for me personally but I have been speaking to more and more friends about it and sort of mentioning it and the thing that really um, really has stuck with me over the last couple of months is how many mates go yeah me too uh, in some shape or form. So I'm sort of sharing this because I know, statistically speaking, there will be some of our young tongues listening to this who will have maybe experienced the same or something similar 
or maybe something totally different, but just as traumatic, like, I don't know, a loss of a parent or a loved one or an accident or, you know, may, you know, may have had a, a, a disability or an illness or mental health, anything before. I, I just, it's just one of those things like cancer doesn't discriminate. Cancer doesn't care what you've already been through or what a nice person you are, or it, it, it can affect anyone. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you have a tongue cancer and you think, fucking hell, I've gone through enough, you're not alone. Yeah. And don't, you know, it's so hard to not be angry with your like you just it kind of feels not not like I remember being very angry but also like with myself like a part like I don't know what you've gone through this too but I mean with the trauma like kind of like you go back in your mind like what did I do to deserve this like did I what could I have done differently to like change this course of action like how like it's not anything that you did and it's hard, like, it, you know, someone could say that to me and be like, it wasn't you, like how we're talking right now, like it wasn't you, but we, it's not until you work through that to realize, you know, you'll get to that place where you realize, yeah, it didn't have to do with me. I didn't do this. I didn't cause this, but it takes work. Like you have to realize it's not, you know, it's not like someone's, you know, telling you it's slightly like the realization, like I need to, I need to acknowledge it just like, you know, you you held on to this trauma and you didn't want to talk about it for so long because there wasn't, you know, and here's this beautiful, like, nurturing, like, you just, your body just knew it needed this release and now was the time to, like, you are here, like, you're going to be taken care of. And, I mean, she was a stranger and you told her mm. And it just felt like that was the release you needed at that time. And she told you exactly what you needed to hear. Like, concentrate on this and you're going you're gonna to get yeah, That, but also I think um, the sheer experience of waking up after surgery yeah. is quite similar to yeah. the sort of pain you might have experienced after a traumatic event and and let's just call it a trauma because it could be any anything that's happened to you and I think we massively underestimate the mental impact of any sort of big small like trauma comes in many different sizes um and and over time we accumulate them and when the big stuff happens to you all the little things they sort of explode in your face. So I, I do believe that the fact that I had PTSD-like symptoms later on, way later on, um, is probably because I just had a layer and layer and layers of of trauma that I had not integrated and dealt with. And and like you said, I blamed, I really blamed myself a lot. I, I was very much in it's weird like there's like a logical side of me that's very much a feminist and goes you didn't cause that but there's the other side of me that goes you were security you should have known better you shouldn't have put yourself in a situation where someone could take advantage of you and 
And yeah, if you go through life with that in the back of your head, you make decisions and you, it's probably really unhealthy as well. You know, we, you probably live a less balanced life. I certainly did. And um, yeah, maybe it just took this other sucker punch of having cancer to, to go, right, I'm not going to let things that happened to me 10 years ago dictate who I am now. And, and, and more importantly, I mean, we, I think it's come across in this podcast before. Um, there are, there have been times in my life where I've really not liked myself and really, uh, you know, my looks or sometimes, you know, I get really frustrated and angry with myself. And I think that does come from, from some, you know, from the trauma and beliefs that I hold about myself, which aren't true. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot. I feel like a lot of, you know, we always say like we're our own worst critic. We're always toughest on our, ourselves and stuff. But especially mm -hmm. with um, cancer and going through it, and there's a lot of noise out there on social media too about like, you know, I I even get comments still like, oh, well, you know, you, sh you should have done this. You shouldn't have eaten that or something. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I know it's bullshit and it's not something like I shouldn't take it to heart but then like sometimes I'm just like laying in bed I'm like oh, what if it was that and like I think about it and I get in my head and it's like there it is again like so like it probably maybe it was me I could have like prevented this but no that's not it it's just um maybe it's a defense mechanism on my part that I'm not you know I'm not ready to just accept that this just happened to me no I don't but it did like but why like I still I still they like why why you have no answers for me I need answers and, oh, I feel and like we have we have that a lot in the community in the Facebook group mm -hmm. we get a lot and it's it's interesting for me because we go through these waves it, that, that question comes and goes and I can always tell you whereabouts a person is within their journey for this mm -hmm. question to become really loud and Unfortunately, there just isn't a straight-up answer because we don't know because there isn't enough research that will. Yeah, and then the moment you accept that, mm. we'll start to heal and move on. But it's really, really hard. Mm. <laughs> you know, we're a society that, or you know, we we get answers instantly, and we can look up anything, and like we we'll get instant, you know, remedies for stuff. Like there was nothing. There's nothing, and we just have to heal and get well and move on. And the one thing I do feel I have learned by the the work that I do now and the sort of things I get to expose exposed to in terms of lectures and speeches and stuff is that most likely it was a whole range of different things that are way beyond our control that will have contributed towards developing tongue cancer it's very unlikely um with the exception of hpv positive cancers that it was one single thing or one single lifestyle thing um i mean one of the one of the key things that keeps brought up being brought up more and more is air pollution and let's be honest none of us can do anything about that so yeah, no, it is, it's a tricky subject. And I do think one day we should really 
um, have a whole session on a whole episode about the question of why and why this happened to me and how have oh, yeah. how have we made peace with that without actually knowing the answer? Um, because we can all speculate, um, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really doesn't really help. Doesn't really make it any better. No, it, it just makes me feel even worse. That <laughs> like you yeah. know, it just makes me. It just amplifies that like we still don't have the answers in twenty twenty three or how many years. Like you know, someone, you know, I, I talk to people online who like they're seventeen years past surgery. And still, they don't know, they don't know, you know, and it's, uh, you just have to come to terms like, it doesn't matter how it happened. Like, how am I, how am I today? Am I having yeah. a good day? Like, I'm here, I'm talking with, talking about it. And that's, you know, that's what I, I, I tell myself that it's, you know, you focus on what are we going to do now instead of like, yeah, totally. Why? Why? Yeah. And I'm just a little bit conscious that I just like shared something quite big and really ugly and horrible that we usually don't talk about. But I decided to do this here today. And one of the right, main reasons, well, to be honest with you, I wasn't sure if I was going through or not. But <laughs> it sounds important. No, no, go for it. Um, oh, and one of the main things I want just for our listeners to take away, especially those that might have resonate with it on a personal level. Mm-hmm. What, one of the things I really noticed is that um, we, 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 we've all become cancer patients and there's a lot of focus on the cancer, rightly so, right? Because we need to make sure that it's all been taken out and that it's no longer there and that's really important. But some at some point in the healing process, we need to remind ourselves again that we are not just a cancer patient, but a human as a whole that has had many different experiences and that those many experiences make us not only who we are, but also influence how we deal with things and how we heal. So if you are, recovering and healing and you're struggling at the moment I would always recommend to try and reach out to a counsellor or a therapist to talk about it but to also encourage you not to just talk about your cancer experience but beyond that because you might find that actually taking a whole holistic approach to your entire human being is more helpful to only focus in onto the cancer and and I do sometimes feel as an individual when I go and see my you know when I have my checkups and things everything is always really concentrated on the the cancer on the tumor not even the cancer it's the tumor but quite often the, the rest of me the rest of my body the rest of my person the rest of my personality there's no time for that (laughs) there's no time for that and I don't blame them this is not a criticism but it's just an acknowledgement that there's no time for that so we as patients I feel need to create that time by either looping in your peers or getting in professional support or, or within your family and friends to remind yourself that you are you are not just a cancer patient there's a whole yeah experience behind it absolutely absolutely i always say that mental health is 
should be a part of, you know, what your cancer care, pro, your cancer care protocol. It, mm. If you don't talk to some, like I, for a long time, I didn't want to talk because I was so angry and I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody about it because I'm talking about it and I'm more than my cancer diagnosis. And um, I felt that when I talk about it with like family, especially they get sad and I don't want to make anybody sad. Right. So that's why young tongues is, you know, we can talk about it and everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. Even if I'm not making sense, sometimes it's, they understand and they're not Mm going to be sad about it. And, uh, but even if they're, you know, even if talking to like a friend just about like, Hey, you know, this is how I'm feeling today. And it could be, you know, you are more than the diagnosis. It's something that happened, but it's not going to define who you are. It's not your personality. It's not what makes you who you are. Mm-hmm. Not, is... in the, not in the long term. Obviously, yeah. we understand that, you know, I'm four years out and I still am not at that point where <laughs> it's weird. I still introduce myself as, oh, hi, I'm Barbara. I had tongue cancer. I don't know why I do it because I don't have to because people wouldn't know. And, you know, sometimes yeah. it's really awkward when you bring that up and then like, yeah, totally, totally. You know, right? But for yeah. some reason at the moment, that's, that's how things goes. But I know that as time passes, I hope that at one point I don't have to go, hi, I'm Barbara, I had tongue cancer, which because it's almost like a justification of, or oh, if I speak a bit weirdly or if you notice my tongue, it's not bubble gum. Yes, a hundred percent. But it's like, I think that's why I want, and that's exactly why I do it. Because hmm. I'm just like, oh, if I flub up a word or why can't I say CHs or something? I'm just, we're totally self-conscious about it. Totally, totally. So, yeah. So it's been a bit of a heavy one today. It has. And, you know, it's, I, I'm really, you know, we're really grateful that you shared that because like you said, it's going to help. Unfortunately, there's other people that this has happened to that are listening and or other trauma, you know. Yeah, tra- like in, yeah, like yeah. losing losing a parent or a friend that at a young age, that or even later in life will have an impact. Um, or you know, not everyone grows up in a home with loving parents that has an impact. And or, just. You know, the surgery, like this whole going through surgery could awaken those past traumas and that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want anyone to feel like, why is this happening? I mean, when you felt that, when you started crying, did you know right away what that, it was like, and, or did the words just start coming out that you were telling this nurse? Like, was your body was just like, I can only handle this much right now. I need to release this yeah. and it's okay. Well, it was visceral because I think, I think it felt, I think maybe like being on drugs and being bedoddled and being mm-hmm. used to what's happened. I think there was a lot of similarities to the actual event. And then maybe I took that in and then thought about it and then okay. the tears came and then I felt like I needed to share because it had bubbled up to the surface. Yeah, you got to get it. Like, it's been buried really deep down. And this is another thing. I'm a talker, you know. Usually when I have, if something happens to me, I talk. I don't shut up about it. So for me not to talk about something is is quite a big deal in terms of the yeah. 
pain and the you know the you know it, it it definitely the whole thing took something away from me you know it's it's had in it's impacted my life way more than it should have but then I never dealt with it so I, I just would champion that the work is hard don't get me wrong it's it's yeah. bloody hard and it's bloody painful but I know in the long term it's going to be worth it and yes at the time oh my god yeah I was dealing with tongue cancer and you know my own having faced my own mortality not knowing if I was going to live or die and and being disabled and and going through all the different scenarios there was no space to deal with that but it's been there and lingering and it's I finally made that step now where I've engaged in active therapy and um just been a lot more open about the actual to say yes this happened to me um yeah but anyhow on um, i'm gonna like do a really weird change of mood thing okay <laughs> this has been really heavy um not all our episodes are this heavy and i i um, thank you for listening to us and being with us till the end um next week we have another episode coming out which we've actually Again, letting in on you on the backside, backstage. We've we've actually already recorded it, and we've got an absolutely lovely, lovely guest, Hannah, who's also trustee. Yes, um, our first guest, our first guest, very first wow. guest, and we will be talking about what it was like um, to be in hospital um, during. So once we've come out of the high dependency unit or ICU into the ward. And what that was like, and um, Hannah, as like Jamie, was also uh, in hospital in the height of COVID. So two really, really um, interesting perspectives of what it was like, but also loads of really good suggestions and and uh, tips and tricks and stuff like that for anyone embarking onto this uh, magical roller coaster anytime soon. So uh, yeah. I, I will. I will also put a little warning at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> so you don't want to trigger anyone. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, reach out to us. Um, I just want I, yeah. Jenny. Did we want to do a listener question? Um, I think that no, we did it have one. The hospital. Like, what did you bring? Right? Because I think we asked Hannah that too. Yes, Hannah, but we didn't. And I said, ours. No, oh yeah, no, yeah, we didn't. So, was it what we brought or what we wish we had? No, what we watched. What we watched. Yes, what we watched. That's what it was. I know mine. Oh. Do you know yours? Uh, yes, I do remember. You can go. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. My go-to program whilst in hospital was Mary Kondo. <laughs> the lady that tied us. I mean, oh, so soothing. Oh, and it was yes. just, oh, gosh. I, I, and I don't know what it is, but when you're in hospital and you can't do anything, and also the drugs and being a bit confused <laughs> of all of that, just watching someone tidying and going, picking up a T-shirt, and going, oh, what was the slogan she used to have? 
it was like um acknowledge like thank you or acknowledging it yeah right? like thank you and then deciding to, to, do i really want this piece of clothing in my yes, life yes that's not? what she would do yes yeah. you gotta really hold it and think about it yeah. not that any of us have time to do that <laughs> but just to watch it on tv was really really um soothing for me uh, oh yeah my hospital stay how about you uh but so mine i don't remember watching anything like on my iPad, I don't remember watching anything in hospital except for whatever on the TV. But the program that will, I will always associate with like recovery is The Office, the American one, Michael Scott, Dunder Mifflin. Um, because uh, when I would get my feedings, my tube feedings, and my husband Jonathan would help me, um, you know, when you're learning how to be the caregiver to somebody but you're not in the hospital you have to learn via facetime um i think some some things got lost in translation so he was feeding me like way too much in a really short amount of time and it was just a big old mess but in order for him to understand in order for him to understand how lengthy the feedings need to be to feed me like a little baby and we should and um, we should just say this is feeding through the tube, through the nose. Yes. Through, 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 spoon. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So it was like, you know, through the tube and like a fun straw. Remember those where they say your name, but it's <laughs> like going up my nose. So um, we watched a whole episode of The Office and that was from start to finish was how long he had to feed me the five shake thingies or the whatever it was. So... We would watch the episode of The Office and it was kind of comforting because, you know, we've seen that we, over, you know, people watch The Office over and over again. It's supposed to be like, makes like you're crazy people, but it was comforting. So like, you know, I would still laugh at the same things while I was being distracted by this unpleasant, like weird, like thing that was going on. So I'll always remember like The Office was what we used to gauge my feeding time. <laughs> But and can but, I just can I just check now? Are you able to watch The Office now, or is it like mm, I haven't since I haven't. Mm. No, I, I've got quite a few things that I can't like. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, either I, watch I or listen or eat. Um, like yeah, chicken I, soup. No, 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 no. Never again. I can. No. I cannot do anything. Peach. That's a hard oh, thing from the ensure. From the shakes. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of them are like, oh, peach pot. Like, oh, peaches are ripe. But I'm like, <laughs> Mm-mm. I, it's sh- like, I can't do milkshakes or shakes or any sort of stuff like that. But funnily yeah. enough, there was one food that is di- has always been okay throughout. When I wonder if it's the same it. one. What is that? Ice cream. Yeah. Was- yep. I have some. I have some every night. Yeah, I just like. Yeah, it was such a comfort because it was just like the one thing that I actually so enjoyed yeah. eating because it was like cooling and it was like it was cooling, but it had like a, it wasn't a liquid, but it just slid down, so it had that texture. You kind of felt like you were and... chewy, or like you were. It felt like you were eating, even though you were just swallowing. I totally get it. Hundred yeah. percent ice cream. For those of you listening and going through it, ice cream will always be okay. 
Yeah. It will, even afterwards, you're not going to hate it. Maybe yeah. some flavors, but uh, no, I haven't discriminated against any flavor. I haven't had any aversion. No, um, and, and to be fair, I'm quite bland. I'm a vanilla gal. No, yeah, I say, but it's like the different brands. Like I like Hagen Dawes vanilla over like a different one. I don't know what you guys have there. Um, uh, well, no, in the hospital, the, the hospital, the hospital ice cream particularly wasn't the best class of ice cream, but it was fine yeah, for what it was doing at the time. And now, actually, I have branched out a bit now because we now have, you know, um, we have a proper Italian ice cream place where they... Oh, like gelato? Yeah, but they sort of, they have like this flat stick and they sort of... Oh, oh, yeah. It's it's incredible. It's it's really, really, like just really, really good ice cream. Yeah, and they like go like that and it's almost like rolled up. Yeah, and it's almost like rolled up and then put in. And I had um, pistachio, which I never thought I was going to like, but it was amazing. And um, my favorite at the moment is hazelnut. Um, yeah, that's good. I really love it. But uh, yeah, I, I do need to branch out because I thought I can't be a vanilla girl for the rest of my life. I need to try some different flavors. Yeah, so I'll always be there for you. Yeah. But um, Barbara, I just want to say thank you for sharing sharing that today. I know that, you know, it, it wasn't an easy thing to do, but I also, I hope that, you know, Anybody who is listening that is going to help and we're here to, we're here if you want to talk about it and just, you know, it's a safe space, young tongues. It's, you know, we're talking specifically about the tongue cancer, but also this episode is about, you know, going through the surgery and also awaken other stuff that you might not have thought about or you have and it comes up and so it's just it's not all about the one thing the cancer other things will start to come up too and i think i think it's very important that everyone feels okay to to feel that and not push it down you know what i'm saying like it's i don't like i can't i can't deal with everything at once but you will be able to in time i think you put this perfectly so thank you so much jamie thank you for your kindness and thank you for for you know always showing up and um yeah thank you to all our listeners sending your questions and we shall see you in a couple of weeks yes thank you everyone be sure to follow us on instagram and email us with any questions or any topics you want us to cover and yeah we're just so grateful that you're you're here thank you so much bye-bye bye-bye Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram under at YoungTongsGlobal or email us at YoungTongues at Outlook.com. See you next time. Bye.